And as you come to this portion of Scripture, uh, you are probably familiar. If I had to guess, you've probably read uh, the Gospel account of Luke, and you probably read through this portion of Scripture. You've come to these verses before. And I want to draw your attention just to ten verses for just a few moments. Look with me, if you would, verse number 25, and we will pause here in just a few moments as I ask that question one more time. Are you a phony or are you a true follower? Uh, I remember, uh, this was probably seven years ago now, um, in a different form of that question, as far as the terminology, they didn't use the word phony or anything like that, but they asked that question. Are you a true follower or not? And I remember being asked that question about seven years ago, and as I was sitting there and I was thinking about that, the Lord had already been working in my own life. You know, as a Christian, you desire, and I know you ought to desire, and you if you don't already, I pray that you get to this point that the Lord would truly do a work in your life that only He can do. Uh, one of the most amazing things about the Lord is even in those moments of being uncomfortable, you find that He can provide peace to bring you through it. And uh, man, I remember being in that stage of being uncomfortable at knowing that God had something for me and God was wanting to do something. If I would just say, okay, Lord, I'll surrender. And I remember that, that question, and, and it was a question in a time in my own life where God had been working, and, and I asked myself that question. And whenever you are asking yourself that question, if you're truly honest, and in my own life at this point in time, it was a season where I had lost a, a little bit of focus. I wasn't doing anything I shouldn't have been doing. I was, I was still serving the Lord. I was still you know, faithful in my, my Bible reading and my prayer life and, and to what God had done for me and what God was doing in my life at that time, but I wasn't completely given. I remember being asked that question. I was like, man, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a three-fourths follower. I'm not a true follower yet. I'm, I'm about three-fourths of the way there, but I definitely don't want to be a phony. I definitely don't want to get to the point where, hey, I'm a Christian, but there's no evidence. And notice what the Bible says in these verses here. Jesus Christ dealing with these multitudes that have been following him. And as you kind of look back in verse number 1 of chapter number 14, the Bible says, And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees, to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. I mean, this was, was his life for a season, if you would. I mean, all the eyes were on Jesus as he was performing miracles, as he was dealing with those who were, were, uh, were filthy, and he was, he was dealing with those situations that we would look and say, man, look at all of what Jesus is doing. People were watching him. And so all of a sudden, he brings all the attention to this verse, verse number 25, and he says this, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, Imagine with me for just a few moments. I mean, he's got crowds upon crowds of people following him. And I mean, they're just they're just singing his praises. I mean, they're just excited. Man, could you see what Jesus did? Did you see that miracle? Have you been able to experience? Have you heard these things? I mean, people are watching him. And it's as though as they're walking on this this path and he's got all of these people following. He just turns for just a few moments. And when Jesus stops, everyone stops, and as they're stopping for just a few moments, he says this. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I mean, imagine when for just a few moments you're following Jesus, you're, you're amazed at all the miracles. I mean, man, look at what he did there, and man, his teachings, I just love listening, and all of what's going on, he stops and he says this. If any man come to me and hate not his father. I mean, that's what he starts with. 
our attention immediately as we read these verses. I know for me, my mind, as I read verse number 26, my mind was fixated on one word, the word hate. You would imagine, you say, Jesus would say that? And here in a few moments, we're going to draw our attention to this and help you to understand what he's truly saying as he says this. But he goes on and says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot meet my disciple. So I'm, I'm imagining, as I'm reading, I'm one of those visual people here. And as, as I'm listening here and, and, and kind of reading this portion of Scripture, Jesus turns and says, Hey, those of you who cannot hate your father and your mother and your sisters and your brethren and all this, ye cannot be my disciple." Imagine there are some in the crowd that are saying, oh, I can hate my family. That, that, no problem at all. I can do that. That's not a problem. My brother can do that. My sister, hate her. I can do all that. You know, there, there are some who are probably saying, I don't understand what you're saying, but I cannot hate my brother. I can't hate my family. And verse number 27 would probably get many of us. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Oh, look, I love listening to your teachings. I love watching you do miracles, but now you want me to bear something? Now, now you want me to just completely follow you? Now you want me to, to put forth some effort? All, the only effort I'm having to put forth right now is just walking with you and watching you perform miracles and listening to your teaching. And, and now you're telling me if I don't bear my cross? Verse 28, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it all, that behold, it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to war against another king, sitteth down not first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, with the, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, cannot be my disciple. C.T. Studd put out a book entitled The Chocolate Soldier, and this is a, got some different things in it that deal with how, as you read, fully surrender and just the Christian life as a whole, and there's a, a, a little poem that he has in here that we'll come back to at the very end of the message again, but I want you to notice some of the words that are penned here as he says these things. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, Soon will, it, will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before a judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave, only to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each of its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in His will. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, 
When self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to stay. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. And from the world now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone. Bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, one only. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at that last call I'll hear, I know this, I'll say, twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has burned out for thee. I want you to think about some of those words. As you, as you go and you, you kind of listen to what he is saying here, obviously we come to realize that he's trying to get across this one thing. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. There are people in this world who claim to be certain things or to be doing certain things. There are those who might claim that they are on a diet, yet anything you put in front of them, they are going to eat. There are those who might claim that they are weightlifters and they, they are the Olympic weightlifters, but they only go to the gym once a month. There are those who claim to be readers, but only read maybe a sentence or two an entire week. There are so many claims in this world. There are those who claim to be the, the financial wizards, yet they're in, uh, they're in debt to their eyeballs. There are so many things in life that you will come to realize that there are times when people will claim to be something, and as time goes on, you'll sit back and say, it ain't matching up. Something's not right here. You said this, but I'm not seeing any evidence. And I wonder in our own personal lives how many times we will claim to be a Christian, but somebody's sitting back and saying, something's not adding up. You claim to be a Christian, but you live like the devil. You claim to be a Christian, yet I don't hear you ever talk about Jesus. You claim to be a Christian, yet I see no evidence. And Jesus Christ here begins to address some things, and as you begin to think about your own personal life, I asked myself this question seven years ago. Am I a phony or am I a true follower? It's a hard question to answer. It's a hard question to answer because many times in our own personal lives, that's a question where you don't want to answer, I'm a phony. Why? Because you don't want to admit that, hey, I'm not a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not sold out. I'm not given to him. I, I, as a matter of fact, I, he has no portion of my life except just a, a couple of minutes on a Sunday or here and there during the month or, or just occasionally I'll serve here or do this. But uh, that's about the limit right there. As you come to this portion of Scripture, I wonder how many of us, as we come to realize, as C.T. Sud said, only what's done for Christ will last. I put a lot of effort into a lot of things. If I start something, I, wanna, I want to, to finish it. I want to do it the right way. There are a lot of times whenever I will, will think on things. If someone asks a question, I'm usually thinking on it or trying to figure it out and and there are a lot of times whenever I have to stop myself and, and just remind myself that some things just really don't matter. And when it comes to the Christian life and when it comes to serving the Lord, there's, there's much that has to be done. Can I remind you, there's still a work that has to be done, and we have to do this work. 
It's not a work. If, if you have the mindset that, that, hey, there's a work that Christ has for us to do, someone else will do it. You have the wrong philosophy. You have the wrong mindset. You're not truly getting in the Word of God and saying that, hey, every one of us are called to do this work. Every one of us are called to live the Christian life. If you are a child of God today, then God has something for you, purposely for you. Notice with me, if you would, three things that we see if we are ever going to truly find ourselves being true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight I'm going to be preaching a message on how to lose God's blessing. How to lose God's blessing. The things that God has for you, there is a way in which you can lose those things. As you go through Scripture and you read Scripture and you read Pastor Scripture, you'll find that if our lives are not yielded to Christ and that we are not given to the Lord, there are some things that, that God has intended for us that we will miss out on. And the same goes for those things that God never intended for us to experience, but if we're not careful, our own stubbornness and our own pride will take us down a road and God will say, I never intended for you to experience this. This was never meant for you. And we feel the pain of that. Notice with me three things. Number one, if you are ever going to find yourself being a true follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says in verse number 25 here, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If there any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Number one, we see that you must commit yourself. You must commit yourself. And we're going to see a couple of things here. As you, you come to these verses here, he says in verse number 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. One of the things that we find to be true, especially in this portion of Scripture, is as you read this list, we are very selfish at the core, every single one of us. One of the things that we have to, to defeat every single day is our own selfish will and our own selfish pleasures because as you read verse number 26 and he says, hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and brethren and sisters, we can hate all of those things if we're not careful. But you know the thing we can't hate? Notice what he says. And his own life. Man, we live in a selfish world. We live in a world that is full of just pleasure and self-pleasure and, and selfishness in general. And it's all about me, me, me. And Jesus Christ deals with this and He says, you must commit yourself here. Understand what He's saying here. When He uses this statement right here, if any man come to me and hate not. This word hate, as you come to see what it's dealing with, is it's used in a comparison to understand. Jesus is not saying that, hey, you should hate your brethren. I should not hate Jaden. What he is saying is you should love me so much that it almost looks as though you hate your brethren because of how much you do truly love me. Your love for Christ should be so strong that it's on another level, if you would. Whenever we were uh, playing basketball and, and playing sports growing up, there were certain times whenever our coach would, it would get on to us at halftime. And you probably have heard this before. You probably experienced it whenever you were in a situation and the coach might look at you and you might be down 15 at halftime. And what's he going to say? He's going to say, gentlemen, they just want it more than y'all. They're out rebounding you. They're out passing you. They're out, out playing better defense than you. They're out shooting you. They're doing everything across the board better because they just want it more than you. I remember there were some, there were some, can I share with you, I know some of y'all are Titans fans, the Bengals wanted it more than the Titans last night. Sorry to say that, but they did. There's always next year. I guarantee you Mike Vabrell walked in the locker room and said, 
Fellas, they just wanted it more than us. They just wanted it more than us. Y'all just didn't. Y'all just didn't want it. There's a different level, if you would. Jesus is saying, "Hey, if there any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciples." Understand what he's saying here. This word "hate" is not saying hate your brethren. Listen, young gentlemen, this isn't an opportunity. This isn't an opportunity for you to go up to your mom and your dad and say, "I hate you." That's not what he's saying. He's saying, love me so much that it pales into comparison. It's on another level. My commitment to the Lord, my, my love for the Lord, can I share with you when that is right in standing, everything down here will be right in standing. When you love Jesus Christ the way you ought to, and when you love the Lord truly like He desires for you to love Him, then you will love others like you're supposed to. Matter of fact, you'll love those who do you wrong like you're supposed to. You'll love your brethren like you're supposed to. You'll love your mama like you're supposed to. You'll love your father like you're supposed to. You'll love everyone like you are supposed to. And so as he is saying these words, he's not saying hate these individuals. It goes to Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 10, when Paul is writing and he says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. What he is saying here is, hey, understand this. This isn't just a, a general thing. It's not just a casual thing. Hey, that I may know him in an intimate way. In a serious way. Listen, there are many people as you were to go outside the doors of this church and you were to ask people, hey, do you know Jesus Christ? They'll say, oh yeah, I've heard about Jesus. There's a difference. Knowing about and knowing are two totally different things. And Jesus is trying to get these individuals to understand that, hey, following me as I do these miracles and as I do these teachings, and truly following me, they're two totally different things. Listening to what I'm saying and and watching what I'm doing, and then also taking and not only being a hearer, but a doer also, that's two different things. And so he's trying to get them to understand, and so he is helping us to understand today that we must commit ourselves. As you come to this right here in Acts chapter number 20, verse number 24, the Bible says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Deuteronomy 6, 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. As you come to the end of verse number 26, and he says, In his own life also. That's where we often lose the battle. We lose the battle to self because we are oftentimes so full of self. If it's an inconvenience to serve Jesus, not going to happen. If, it, if it's something that's out of my comfort zone, not going to happen. If it's something that just takes a little bit more time than I want to give, Lord, I just I, it's not going to happen. And Jesus is trying to get them to understand that, hey, if you're going to follow me and be a disciple, it's going to be to another level. I mean, think about it for just a moment. It's to another level. Peter is standing there a few minutes before everything's about to go down, and he is saying, Jesus, I'll go to the cross with you. I'll die with you. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Lord, I would never. I would never do that. Listen, gentlemen, if you don't hate your brethren, you don't hate your father, if you don't truly love me like you're supposed to, if you don't do these, I'm telling you, to be my disciple, it's, it's, it's another level. Jesus, I would never. All of a sudden, three times. And we like to get on to Peter, don't we? We like to get on to Peter and say, man, what was Peter thinking? I doubt many of us would even take the first step that Peter took to get out on the water. 
I doubt many of us would even take the first step of, of just being whole, wholeheartedly given to, to, to the Lord, just like Peter was, and say, hey, I'll do whatever you say, Lord. It's a whole other level. You see, you, you, you make the commitment to stand out and be different, I guarantee you opposition will come. You take a stand for Jesus, opposition's going to come. And he's trying to get them to understand, hey, this isn't just about just hey, saying, hey, I follow Jesus. No, 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 no. You start associating with me, it's a different life. It's a commitment. Number two, not only must you commit yourself, but you must crucify yourself. In verse number 27, he says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me and cannot be my disciple, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily, after he have laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it again begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. What king, going to war against another king, sitteth down, not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with the 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So, likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. You must crucify yourself. It was in Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 20, that the, the words were penned, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In John 3, 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Matthew six twenty four. no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. You see, a crucifying of self is a yielding to the Lord. It's the hardest thing for us to do sometimes. You, you think about in, in, in this portion of Scripture, especially Jesus is dealing with this situation and, and the commitment that has to be made, but then every single day waking up and crucifying self. Why, why, why do you have to crucify self? Because self has certain pleasures for the day. Self has certain things that you're willing to do. Self has certain things that you're only willing to say, but as you crucify self, all of a sudden... The Lord begins to deal with you, and as you yield yourself to the Lord, the Lord begins to stir you. And just this past week, as I was thinking about what Brother Cyrus asked a prayer for on Wednesday, and as you asked prayer about meeting with that gentleman when you pick up that test and talking with him and, and, and certain things like that, as I was thinking, and you know, there's a couple people the Lord's put on my heart to talk to myself, and I asked myself, what, to what extent, though? Am I truly willing to say whatever the Lord wants me to say, or am I only willing to say what I'm comfortable saying? And there are many times in our own lives where we're only willing to do certain things. Take your Bibles for just a moment. Look with me in Romans chapter number 7, if you would. Paul faced this. And we've made reference to this many, many times, but I don't know that we've ever really sat down and looked at some of these things that Paul is saying. Because in this struggle of the self-life and crucifying self, Paul realized something. And Paul realized it in such a way that he was honest with himself so that he could be used of the Lord. Romans chapter number 7, look with me if you would, verse number 15. In Romans chapter number 7, verse number 15, he says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. 
Now then, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform it, or perform that which is good I find not. When I read those words right there, dwelleth no good thing, my mind goes back to a song that I used to listen to as a child, listen to your heart. Can I share with you, that is the worst advice you could ever give someone. Listen to your heart. I grew up listening. I mean, I, I used to think, you know what? You're right. I am going to listen to my heart. What's it saying? Where's it leading? <laughs> you know? I think it's leading me down this road. Only to realize, oh, my heart was wrong there. Paul says right here, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more than that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. If I were just sitting here listening to Paul, I'd be like, dude, you lost me a long time ago. I'm so confused. You did do it or you wouldn't do it. or you, What are you saying here? I'm so glad I can look at this and see it. He says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of his death, this death. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, with the flesh, the law of sin. What's Paul saying here? Paul is revealing the exact struggle as to why we can't crucify ourselves. As he goes on, Paul is, is very simply, he, he's saying that the converted Paul, the converted Paul, that the saved Paul, the, 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 the Paul that's a new man, wants to do right. But the Paul, the, man, the, that old man, that old flesh, just creep, creeps up. You've got the two that are warring every single day. And so you go back, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. Notice these words now. You see, when you read Romans chapter number 7, you can appreciate Galatians 2.20 a little bit more. Because what he says right here is something that we have to grasp right here. He says, which I now live in the flesh. Notice these words. I live, in the, uh, live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying, hey, you can't live this life on your own. You want to die to self? You need Jesus. You want to live for the Lord? You need the Lord. You want to do something great for Him? You don't have to to be held by the power of sin. But it's always bucking. Why? Because that old nature, that old man, that that sin flesh is always trying to creep up. That's why you have to yield yourself to the Lord. The crucifying of self. Go with me, if you would, to John chapter number 15. If you would, John chapter number 15, you see, well, what's the, what's the, the way that we can defeat this? How do we get past this? How do we uh, be able to, to come to a place where we truly yield ourselves to the Lord and die to self, crucify self, if you would? In John chapter number 15, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. One of the things that we have to come to realize is we must abide in Christ. 
Wake up, Lord. Help me to spend time with you. Lord, I want to walk in your ways. Lord, I want to walk in your will. Lord, I want to be so full of you that I'm no more full of self. Lord, empty me of self and fill me with you. Living the Spirit-filled life. D.L. Moody was at a meeting one time and he was asking as he was holding a cup, he says, how do I get all the air out of this cup? He's holding a glass cup here and as he's holding that glass cup, a man raises his hand and says, take a vacuum and suck all the air out of it. He said, no, 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 that would just shatter the glass. After suggestion, after suggestion, after suggestion, D.L. Moody, standing there holding the glass, takes the glass and sets it down, takes a a pitcher that had been given to him and fills it with water. And says, now all the air is out of it. You see, the truth is here, the more we fill ourselves of this, the more we fill our lives of the Lord Jesus Christ and get alone with Him and yield ourselves to Him, self begins to die and dwindle more and more. There are people that you will come into the presence of, and as you're in their presence, you will notice and you will sense the deadness in their life concerning they're so dead to self. They're not full of self. They are so yielded. They're so humble. You, you come into their presence, you say, man, that is, that's an individual that's spent some time with the Lord. Well, what have they been doing? They've been abiding in Christ. You see, as we come to being filled with the Spirit and and, and dying to self and filling ourselves with more of the Lord, we live that Spirit-filled life. And living that Spirit-filled life is moment by moment. It's not pick and choose. It's it's kind of the... Sometimes we get get this mindset as big meetings are coming up that all of a sudden we need to start getting things right back with the Lord. No, 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 no. Why don't you just choose daily to live right with the Lord? It's not just something, hey, we've got a big revival meeting come up. I need to get right with the Lord before that revival meeting. No, you should already desire to be right with the Lord. You should desire to spend time with Him moment by moment. You should find that being Spirit-filled begins to develop the mind of Christ. Lord, what would you have for me to say? Lord, what would you have for me to do? Being Spirit-filled is a daily decision that has to be made, and He understands this. As you make your way back to Luke chapter number 15, I mean 14, in Luke chapter number 14, He utters these words, Whosoever doth not bear his cross. There's a bearing of the cross that has to be done. Are you phony or are you a follower? Oh, that depends. What cross are you talking about that I've got to bear? Uh, It depends. What do you mean I've got to sacrifice what? It depends. What do I need to surrender? Uh, Surrender time? Uh, Surrender my will? Uh, what, What exactly are you talking about? The bearing of the cross that he is dealing with here, as he says in verse number 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross, it's it's through the sacrificing of yourself. Bear that cross. Waiting for those things that you'll have to to lose or endure, but whenever you're losing for the sake of Christ, you're not losing at all. Uh, Enduring and bearing that cross through sacrifice, through service, surrendering your life to the Lord for His service. Bearing that cross through testimony. When people see you, do they see Christ in your life? You see, Jesus turns, he stops, and he turns, and all this crowd is following. Hey, hey! Stop. Some of you have been following because you like what I have been saying, the teachings. Some of you have been following because you want to follow the miracles that are being done, but it's time to address this seriousness of being a true follower of Jesus Christ. If you're a child of God today, there's a bearing of the cross. There's another statement that he says, bear his cross. Notice what he says after that, and come after me. That coming after me is the studying of the scriptures, the spending time in daily prayer, the spending time in the house of God, the being faithful to the Lord outside of just 
what is expected. You see, it's expected that many times when, on a Sunday morning you say, oh, people are expecting me to be there. No, no, no. It's, if you only come to the house of God because people expect you, you've come for the wrong reason. You're, you've missed it. I don't come to church because Brother Cyrus expects me to stand behind the pulpit and preach a message on Sundays. I don't come to church on a Wednesday because uh, these, these young people are, are wanting to have a, a, a Bible study in the back. That's not why I come to church. I come to church because it's a time to worship the Lord with my church family. I come to church because it's a time to gather and get into the Scriptures and acknowledge all that God has for us and get, say, Lord, today is all about you just like every other day. You see, he says, come after me. The coming after me is every single day. That statement, come after me, is a statement that he is saying time after time. It's a continuous thing. Hey, after you come after me, come again. After you come after me, come again. After you come after me, come again. There's always progress moving forward. The Lord is always advancing. And so as He advances, we follow and we're advancing. You say, but He told me to stand still. You're still advancing. Even in those moments when He says stand still, He's preparing you and you're advancing. And then notice what He says in verse number 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth now and first and counteth the cost. There's a counting of the cross or the cost. He gives a couple of illustrations here. In verse number 29, he begins to deal with the, the, the building, if you would. He says, in, in verse number 28, actually, rather, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold, it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish Roman, I mean, in 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, For other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. He begins to give these illustrations of, here's, here's a couple ways to understand the true follower. You do it the right way. Not only does he use the illustration of building, but he uses the illustration of battling. Saying this man began to build and what was not able to finish it. Or what king going to war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desire Zith conditions of peace. First Peter 5.8, this illustration of battling here, there's always that spiritual battle that's taking place. First Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Can I share with you, as you come to this portion of Scripture and the crucifying of self, sometimes we like to give the devil more credit than he's worth giving. Sometimes we like to say, when someone says, why didn't you do that? You like say, oh, well, the devil just got... got." No, no, no. You just, just admit you gave into the flesh yourself. The devil didn't do nothing. You just didn't surrender yourself to the Lord. The devil didn't do nothing. You just didn't yield to the Lord. Sometimes we like to blame all the reasons we don't do certain things because of the devil, when in reality is it's ourself. Our own selfish pride in our flesh that's not willing to just say, Lord, whatever thy will is, I'm already saying yes. But at the other side of it, the devil is always attacking on other areas. 
And this battle that he's talking about is the battle not only of the devil attacking, but he's talking about the battle of the inward flesh and the inward man and the flesh and the battle that's going on every single day in our lives. And I wonder today is in your own personal life, if you come to the place where you say, you know what, am I a phony or am I a follower? If you were to put yourselves in the shoes here, and these individuals that are following Jesus, they're following, man, I like that miracle. Did you hear what he was saying the other day about that? Then he stops. He says, okay, those of you who can't hate yourself, you can't hate your brother, you can't hate your mother, your father, your father, your mother, and all, if you can't do that, you cannot be my disciple. There's a, a burden that you're going to have to bear. There's a cost, just so you know. Hey, there's some things that you're going to have to realize. It's not just following me as I teach certain things and as I do miracles. No, truly following means that your life is going to be put in harm's way. There's going to be some things said about you. There's going to be some things that you're going to face and you're going to go through. Now the question is asked, are you a phony or are you a follower? Well, I don't know about bearing that burden. I don't know about counting that cost. I don't know about some of the things that he's wanting me to do. So how about if I just, how about if I'm one of those three-fourths Christians you were talking about? That's not what the Lord desires. He says right here, as you come to this verse again, verse number 25, And there went great multitudes out with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and his wife and his children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Fast forward on to verse number 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. The final thing we see, and will be done, you must consecrate yourself. You must consecrate yourself. Whenever I was, as Warren was talking about in the Sunday school hour, I was saved July 15th. And right after I had gotten saved, I had the, the, the decision that I had to make, was I going to pursue basketball or was I going to surrender my life to the Lord? And he had already been working in my life concerning being called to preach. And like Brother Warren, I didn't understand what all that meant. I didn't understand, okay, if I surrender my life to the Lord and He calls me to preach, what, what do I do now? And then I followed the Lord and, and He began to work in my life every step of the way because I was doing what I knew to do. I didn't know what the next step was, but as I was doing what I knew to do, He would reveal what was next. And then I'd take that another step of faith and he, I'd be doing what I knew to do and then He'd... Show me what, I, what was next. And I'd do what I was supposed to be doing. Can I share with you, at the beginning, there was a counting of the cost, if you would. I had to ask myself, am I willing? Yeah, I'm going to endure some things. That means I've got to, look, I'm not naturally a reader. It took a lot of work for me. I, I don't like to read necessarily. Now I do. But I didn't used to. It was something I had to really work at. I had to count the, you know, that means I've got to study. That means i gotta, I got to read. In your own life, as you surrender your life to the Lord, there's a counting of the cost. But can I share with you that as soon as I surrender my life to the Lord and I look back now, man, is it worth it. You count the cost and there's going to be some hard days and you say, 
You mean if I surrender my life to the Lord and I say, Lord, I'm at your disposal, Lord, whatever you desire, Lord, you use my life and at the end of my life, Lord, I'll be happy if I just lived it for you. That's not saying you're not going to face some hard things. But can I share with you, being a true follower of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of those hard things, there's a peace that passes. There's a grace that He gives. There's a mercy that is endured. There's a a, a trial that is faced, and in the midst of that trial, God is right there in the center. As you find yourself following the Lord and you consecrate yourself to the Lord, you find yourself, as C.T. Studd has already said, two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and far from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Very end of this poem that he wrote. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be. And the lamp of my life has burned out for thee. As you're laying, every single one of us know that death is coming. And when death comes, will you be able to say that? Lord, I burned out for Thee. Lord, I was at Your disposal. Lord, whatever You saw fit. Lord, whatever You desired of my life. Lord, I was at Your expense. Lord, I was a true father. I tried to be at least. I don't know about You. I know for me. I truly want to follow the Lord every single step of the way. I want to understand that, hey, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot, hey, I I want to bear that cross if it means I'm getting closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to come after the Lord. I want to count the cost. I want to do whatever it takes if it means I'm as close to the Lord as I can possibly be. Jesus walking down this road. All the miracles stops him and says, here's the real deal. Who's really willing to follow? This morning, can I share with you, just as he stopped on that road and paused, this morning he's desiring and he's wondering as he's dealing with each and every single one of us who's willing to truly follow. How many of us are willing to just be a phony? Oh, I'm a Christian. Do they see evidence? Oh, I love the Lord. You sure don't act like it. Are you willing to be a follower? Only you can answer that question. Seven years ago, as I was listening to the preaching, that question was asked. I remember going back and saying, man, I sure ain't a follower right now. The Lord only has a portion of me. I wonder this morning how many of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, we'd say, Lord doesn't have all of me. He has bits and pieces, but He doesn't have all of me. Can I share with you, the greatest life you could live is the life yielded to the Lord. Choose it. Watch what God can do in your life if you just yield your life to Him. Lord, we do thank You. Lord, we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You for Your love. Lord, may we truly be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we a phony or are we a follower? I certainly don't want to be a phony, and I know many, if not everyone in here, doesn't want to be a phony. Lord, give us the grace we need to be a true follower. Lord, tonight as we look at how to lose your blessing, there are some things that we see in Scripture that reveal oftentimes how many folks lose the blessing of the Lord or whatever you have for us because we begin to Stop doing things and begin to go down a different route. And Lord, this morning, I pray that we find ourselves committing our lives to you and saying, Lord, help us to be a true follower. 
not just a three-fourths follower, not just a, an occasional follower, not just a phony follower, but a true follower. Lord, I pray that you'd get a hold of this church in such a way, Lord, where we would reach Clarksville, Tennessee, Lord, for your honor and for your glory. That when people hear about Gateway Baptist Church, they know that the God that is worshipped there, the God that is dealing with this church, the God that is given all the honor and all the praise is doing a work that only He could do. That He's exalted in this ministry, that He's praised, that He's given preeminence. I pray that you would, Lord, receive all the honor and all the glory. Lord, may we surrender our lives once again. Lay it all on the altar so that at the end of our lives we can say we spent our lives for you. Lord, deal with these young people. Deal with the homes. Deal with the families, Lord. Draw people unto you in such a way, Lord, where we find ourselves just saying, Lord, whatever it is, whatever it means, I'll say yes. I pray that you'd give us the grace to do so, and we'll thank you for it. Guide us now. Direct us. Use this invitation, for it's in Jesus Christ's name we do say, amen.